This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. This episode is brought to you by Huggies Little Movers. Huggies knows that babies come in all shapes and sizes, and your tushies do too. No matter what kind of butt you've got, you'll feel comfy while your baby's mushy little tushy wiggles and jiggles all around. Get your baby butt in the best-fitting diaper. Huggies Little Movers. We got you, baby. Tonight, the U.S. puts more than 8,000 troops on heightened alert for possible deployment to Eastern Europe as tensions with Russia intensify. President Biden meets with our European allies as the U.S. and NATO send military might into the region in hopes of stopping Vladimir Putin from entering Ukraine. A wild day on Wall Street. The stunning comeback after the Dow dropped 1,000 points. The school mask debate. School boards sue Virginia's new governor over his mask optional order. But in Los Angeles, students are told to upgrade their masks. Tonight, parents react. Breaking news, three firefighters killed in Baltimore after a row home collapses and traps them inside. I can't breathe. The federal trial begins for three former police officers accused of ignoring George Floyd's pleas for help. End of affirmative action? The conservative-dominated Supreme Court will decide whether race-based admission to universities like Harvard is lawful. Deadly gun violence surges. Multiple police officers shot and killed as homicides spike nationwide. Gas price warning. Why your next trip to the pump may cost even more. And making history on the high seas as the first woman takes command of the USS Constitution. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening, and thank you for joining us. There is a lot of news to get to on this Monday night, but we're going to begin with rising tensions in Ukraine and the threat of a possible Russian invasion growing by the minute. Here in Washington, President Biden held a video call with European allies this afternoon to discuss a common response to Russia's continued military buildup around Ukraine's border. NATO announced that it was putting forces on standby and is reinforcing Eastern Europe with more ships and fighter jets, a move that Russia denounced. And the Biden administration is considering whether to send several thousand U.S. troops and equipment to reinforce NATO. Meanwhile, the State Department has ordered the families of American diplomats to leave the country, and they've advised that non-essential American embassy personnel and private U.S. citizens should do the same. Also tonight, Speaker Nancy Pelosi wants a White House briefing on the Ukraine-Russia situation for Congress. So we have two reports tonight from here in Washington and from inside Ukraine. CBS's Ed O'Keefe is going to start us off from the White House. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Nora. A major shift in the White House's approach to the Russian standoff with Ukraine is now underway. While the president met with European leaders today to discuss a diplomatic solution, plan for new military deployments suggests much of Europe is now preparing for the possibility of a new war. I had a very, very, very good meeting, totally unanimity with all the European leaders. President Biden today consulted with European allies in the Situation Room, readying thousands of U.S. troops for a possible mission in the region. It's very clear that the Russians have uh, uh, no intention right now of de-escalating. The Pentagon placed 8,500 troops stationed in the U.S. on alert, ready to deploy to NATO's eastern flank within days if the situation deteriorates. We are not deploying them now. Uh, we are not saying diplomacy is dead. But the administration ordered U.S. embassy families out of Ukraine and warned Americans not to travel to Russia. As Vladimir Putin sent more troops into Belarus, a possible invasion point, and carried out military exercises in the Baltic Sea. After this weekend, is he more or less concerned about the possibility of a Russian invasion of Ukraine? He said last week that military action by Russia could come at any time. Uh, that... That remains his point of view. The U.S. is hoping its own show of force would deter Putin. Fighter jets could be sent to NATO countries as well as warships. The USS Truman arrived in the eastern Mediterranean today for long-scheduled exercises. But NATO is also bolstering defenses with the Danish, French, and Dutch sending jets and troops. The president's threat of punishing sanctions if Putin invades... Russia will pay a heavy price hasn't forced the Russian leader to pull back the nearly 130,000 troops on Ukraine's border. And with more of his forces going into Belarus, the administration has shifted tactics. What happened then in the last few days that prompted the Pentagon to present specific potential troop deployments to the president? Or put another way, why now? I wouldn't say it's a response to an abrupt moment. It's a part of an ongoing contingency planning process and discussion. Also tonight, the president was asked by a Fox News reporter whether rising inflation would be a liability in this year's elections. He gave this testy response That's as reporters walked out. That's a great asset. More inflation. What a stupid son of a bitch. Tonight, the Department of Homeland Security warns Russia could launch a cyber attack against the U.S. if American and NATO forces respond to a Russian invasion of Ukraine. But U.S. officials say they see no signs that Moscow is currently preparing such an attack. Nora. All right. The president caught off mic there. Right on mic, rather. Right. O'Keefe, thank you. Well, diplomacy is not dead as officials from Russia and Ukraine are set to meet in Paris on Wednesday for talks with their counterparts from France and Germany. The eyes of the world are on Ukraine tonight, and CBS's Holly Williams is there. 
I mean, if there's a Russian ground invasion, this village is potentially in the firing line. In the village of Senkivka, under two miles from Ukraine's border with Russia, Tetyana Semak told us if there's an invasion, many people here will have nowhere to run. On the other side of the border are massed 127,000 Russian troops, according to Ukraine's government. Today, Ukraine's president, Vladimir Zelensky, told the people of his country not to panic. Nina Belaya is 79, born when Ukraine was under Nazi occupation in the Second World War. She showed us her cellar, where she stores food for the winter. She has another purpose in mind if the Russians show up. And you can take shelter down here if the, if the Russians invade. Ukraine is not a wealthy country. Now its freedom and its young democracy are threatened by its colossal neighbour. And what some say are President Vladimir Putin's ambitions to create a new Russian empire. Tomorrow we're expecting another shipment of emergency military assistance from the US, including munitions, to arrive here in Kiev. Nora. Thank you, Holly Williams. Well, it was a roller coaster ride of a day in the stock market. Fears over what's going on in Ukraine, along with questions over the Federal Reserve's plan to curb inflation, sent stocks into a freefall with the Dow down more than 1,000 points by just afternoon. But after a late day rally, all three indexes closed up in positive territory. All right, we're going to turn now to COVID, where another fight over restrictions is headed to court. CBS's Meg Oliver reports from outside a school in Arlington, Virginia, where the battle over masks is pitting parent against parent. There's a face-off over face coverings in Virginia public schools after the governor's executive order letting parents opt out of school mask mandates took effect today. It's parents that should decide the health measures taken for their children. And many parents agree. This morning, a group of them in Stafford County arrived at their children's elementary school with the intent to send them in without masks. Despite the district's policy, six families were turned away and offered virtual lessons instead. There is no doubt that masks have played a role in our children's lack of education, and those masks are directly impacting their ability to learn. But seven county school boards have filed a lawsuit against Governor Youngkin, seeking to block the executive order. The lawsuit represents more than 350,000 students across Virginia, arguing that the state constitution gives local school boards the authority to enact policies that protect the health and well-being of students and staff. It also cites a state law requiring school systems to follow CDC health guidelines, which recommends universal masking in schools regardless of vaccine vaccination status. Amber Bomer, one of 13 parents in a separate lawsuit, has long COVID and asthma. We are fighting for all of the children of Virginia and all of the teachers and the parents and all of the immunocompromised individuals who work and attend the schools within our school system. Chris Wilson, a father of two, also supports mask mandates. Uh, not a problem. And the kids support it. They know it's, it's the right thing to do. Uh, we also know this, this is not a forever decision. This is a, a temporary decision. 
Here in Virginia, the lawsuits ask the mask mandate remain in place until the court reaches a decision. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles today, students were required to upgrade their mandatory masks to something other than non-cloth with a nose wire. Nora. Meg Oliver, thanks. Well, now to some sad news out of Baltimore. We are learning tonight that three firefighters were killed and one remains in critical condition and on life support after getting trapped inside a vacant row house. They were responding to a fire when it partially collapsed early this morning. People gathered outside the hospital to say farewell to the fallen. The cause of that fire remains under investigation. All right, tonight, the pursuit of justice in the murder of George Floyd has reached a federal courtroom in St. Paul, Minnesota. Three former officers are accused of violating Floyd's civil rights by ignoring his desperate pleas for help. Here's CBS's Mola Lenghi. Okay, please. You're doing fine. You're talking fine. Today, prosecutors said the three officers didn't lift a finger when George Floyd said he couldn't breathe at least 25 times, while Derek Chauvin kneeled on Floyd's neck for more than nine minutes. In their opening statements, prosecutors insisted it was more about what the three former Minneapolis police officers did not do than what they did. That two officers, Tutau and Alex King, failed in their duty of stopping a police officer they see using excessive force. Tao, King, and Thomas Lane are charged with denying Floyd's civil rights by not providing the first aid that could have kept him alive. What they're trying to say is that Chauvin did it all on his own, and they, meaning the other defendants, were not trying to help Mr. Chauvin violate Mr. Floyd's rights. Just gonna let him keep his hand on his neck, bro. Prosecutors allege during Floyd's deadly arrest in May of 2020, Tao held bystanders back while King kneeled on Floyd's back for eight minutes, and Lane held down Floyd's legs. Lane can be heard twice asking Derek Chauvin if they should reposition Floyd. Another defense attorney, Thomas Plunkett, called Floyd's death a failure by the Minneapolis Police Department and a lack of adequate training. When you use that argument, it's almost like you're saying, yes, this is true, he did it, but he wasn't properly trained. Well, Thomas Lane and Alex King were relatively new to the Minneapolis Police Department. They'd been on patrol for less than a week when George Floyd was killed. Lane's attorney said today that Lane will testify in his own defense, though it's still unclear if the other two officers or if Derek Chauvin will testify during this trial, Nora. Malalengi, thank you. Washington is still buzzing over the bombshell announcement on CBS's Face the Nation that the Trump administration had a plan that would have authorized the Department of Defense to seize voting machines in several battleground states. CBS's Scott McFarland has that and today's news from Capitol Hill. In the courthouse in Plano, Texas, prosecutors accused Oath Keepers founder Stuart Rhodes of using force to stop the peaceful transfer of power and said he must remain in jail pending trial. Lawyers revealed that Rhodes, the alleged coordinator of the Oath Keepers' assault on the Capitol, is also cooperating with the January 6th committee, making him the latest key figure to do so. CBS News has confirmed the committee is investigating a draft executive order circulated by some in the Trump administration that would have ordered the Pentagon to seize voting machines from several battleground states where they alleged fraud took place. We are concerned uh, that our military uh, was part of this big lie on promoting uh, that the election was false. The order, which was never signed by former President Trump, would have also involved the Department of Justice. Thompson revealed Sunday that former Attorney General Bill Barr has had a voluntary conversation with the committee. So if you are using the military uh, to potentially seize 
uh, voting machines, even though it's a discussion, uh, the public needs to know. We've never had that before. Also tonight, a Georgia court has granted local prosecutors' request for a special grand jury to investigate whether the former president tried to interfere with Georgia's 2020 election results. Mr. Trump has referred to that as a political witch hunt. Nora? Scott McFarland, thank you. Today, the mayor of New York City announced a crackdown on illegal guns like the one used to kill a rookie officer and critically injure another officer in Harlem Friday night. Tonight, police here in Washington and Texas are searching for gunmen who targeted officers as well. We get more from CBS's Jeff Begays. When New York City police officers Wilbur Mora and Jason Rivera responded to a domestic call in Harlem, a barrage of gunfire greeted them in an apartment hallway. Rivera was killed, and Mora is in critical condition. In Houston, Corporal Charles Galloway was ambushed during a routine traffic stop after a suspect who was still on the run emerged from a vehicle, firing a gun, riddling the squad car with bullet holes. This is a, a ruthless, savage execution. A manhunt is also underway in Washington, D.C. for the suspect who shot an officer Sunday night. He pulled a firearm, fired several shots about officers. Is there such a thing as a routine call? No. Not at all. Every single incident has the capacity to turn deadly. Deadly violence sparked by illegal guns, striking down officers and people on city streets. A steady flow of weapons into major cities. New York's mayor says police took more than 6,000 guns off the streets last year. It is illegal to carry a gun in our city, yet our police officers take them off the streets every day in record numbers. The suspect accused of killing Officer Rivera died today after being shot at the scene where police say he was armed with this illegal gun, equipped with a high-capacity magazine capable of holding 40 rounds. Police also say they found a loaded illegal AR-15 assault rifle under the suspect's mattress. Officer Jason Rivera, 22 years old, he grew up in New York City. At the beginning of his career, he was asked why he wanted to join the police force. He said that he wanted to see better relations between community and police. Nora. Morning, all those officers. All right, Jeff Pegues, thank you. Tonight, AAA warns fuel prices will likely continue to rise. Regular gas is now averaging $3.33 a gallon, compared to $2.40 a year ago. Crude oil prices are near a seven-year high, directly impacting gasoline and home heating fuels. AAA says the unpredictability of the pandemic is going to keep those prices up. The conservative majority Supreme Court has agreed to hear a challenge to the consideration of race in college admissions. The lawsuits accuse Harvard University and the University of North Carolina of discriminating against Asian American applicants in an effort to promote diversity. Well, a decision against the schools could mean the end of affirmative action in college admissions. All right, tonight, an elementary school principal that we told you about is going to the Super Bowl. News reports showed Principal Joseph Uwe vacuuming and mopping at his school after hours amid nationwide staff shortages. We showed you those here on the evening news. Well, today, the Las Vegas Raiders surprised Uwe with two Super Bowl tickets, thanking him for his contributions to the community. And very well deserved. 
For the first time in its 224-year history, the USS Constitution has a woman as commander. CBS's Nancy Chen sat down with Commander Billy Farrell. Launched in 1797 as one of the Navy's six original frigates, the USS Constitution's history is American history. It is an honor to introduce Commander B.J. Farrell. And now a new order as Commander Billy Farrell becomes the first woman to serve as captain. There's only 76 other people in history that have commanded this ship. So. And now you're going to be the 77th. Correct. So it's, it's an amazing feeling. The 39-year-old was second in command of a guided missile cruiser before her new assignment. President George Washington ordered the ship to be built, and only men have been in charge until now. The Constitution still sails at least once a year, a third of its active-duty crew women. It's such a special opportunity, not just for the ship, but the, the Navy as a whole, especially having all the public here. They get to see that there's a female leading us. Docked in Boston, the ship hosts more than half a million visitors annually. As a teenager, Farrell was one of them. What would you tell that young woman today? Even if I told her that one day she would be commanding the ship, she wouldn't believe me. <laughs> so I think I would just tell my younger self to just keep doing your best and, and you, you'll find yourself in some unusual places. Taking the helm and commanding a new course in history. Nancy Chen, CBS News, Boston. And tomorrow, why Americans are paying such a high price for that morning glass of OJ. And tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, the premiere of Eye on America, a new weekly show featuring inspirational stories about Americans. Download the CBS News app to watch. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. Good night. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Varian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert. And I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert. And I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> respond too quickly oh well that's good yeah i expected i expected you to lay into me well this was over the strike period oh i had time yeah See, that, that does that doesn't count <laughs> sure i responded to everything because responding to you putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment yeah and i felt like i had something to get up for every yeah. day so thank you for that listen to the late show pod show with stephen colbert wherever you get your podcasts